Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this 118th episode in Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests on this episode include actress Marguerite Moreau, has a new movie, Monuments, which is available tomorrow, August 3rd. We'll also visit with actor Cody Christian, has a new movie, Notorious Nick, that will be available this Friday, August 6th. We also visit with actress and author now, Elisa Donovan, has a new memoir available, Wake Me When You Leave. And we'll also visit with country music singer-songwriter Arthur Sullian, has a new single, She'll Be Gone. Of course, if you would, please take the time to subscribe, comment, leave some feedback, check out the shop, and share with your friends. Now, did you have that familiar sinking feeling last night that Monday was right around the corner? Well, a new poll found close to one in four people feel that way most weeks. 11% of us dread Mondays every single week, and another 12% said more often than not, so that's 23% total. Now, not everyone hates Mondays, though. 26% of Americans say they never have a sinking feeling as their weekend draws to a close. And another 24% don't work or go to school right now, so half of us couldn't care less that it's Monday. Got a brand new movie that's going to be on VOD and digital coming up tomorrow called Monuments. We've got Marguerite Moreau with us today. And first off, Marguerite, appreciate you taking some time to be on the show. I love uh, talking to you. I had a really good time the last time I was in Oklahoma. Now, Marguerite, tell us the indie dramedy is what is described as monuments. Tell our listeners a little bit about the new movie available tomorrow. Well, it's sort of like a Coen Brothers movie and a Wes Anderson movie had a little baby movie called Monuments because it's wacky and quirky and I like this wonderful magical road trip that has a little bit of a tender heartstring pulls. Uh, it's a rollicking good time. And in the process, you get to do a little, a little work, maybe uh, processing some of, some of like all this stuff we've been going through with COVID. And for you, was this done pre-COVID or, or during the pandemic times that you guys worked on it? We, uh, we were pre, pre-pandemic. And how different does the landscape look as far as releases now? Uh, we've got the VOD coming up tomorrow and, uh, and on digital as well. How much different does movie release day look these days? Oh, I mean, you know, with streaming, everything is a little bit, we have a little bit more choice as viewers, uh, which is nice. Uh, but we don't get to go to the theater as much yet. And uh, luckily, with holding back uh, some releases due to the pandemic, uh, Monuments was still able to do theatrical a couple months ago uh, before we did our, our streaming release. Um, so, you know, I feel like this movie actually is coming out at a better time because people are going through a lot more. And it is a comedy, so it sort of is like, oh, okay, I'm at the end of a very heavy day. There's just heavy things going on. I just want to laugh. Oh, and it has some meaning, and it's nice, and, and it can maybe make me cry a little bit. I don't know, you know? That's good. Now, Marguerite, like, tell us a little bit about your character and, and finding that role for you personally as well. Oh, well, an actor always likes to work, so when a role comes across <laughs> the desk, get excited. First up, but um, but my character Laura is sort of helping our hero uh, Ted, who is lost and stuck, and and he kind of kind of goes on like a hero's journey throughout the film, and she shows up to sort of 
you know, nudge him along. The caveat is that she dies very tragically right at the beginning of Dead, um, but also very much more alive. So I really like to play her because she sort of taught me that sometimes we give our we don't give ourselves as much permission as you know from beyond the grave. I could make choices playing the character of Flora um, that were much more wild, and she didn't have to behave or, or do other things that she thought she had to do during life. So I appreciated thinking about that and thinking like, where can I be living a little more in my own life? And for you, Marguerite, what has this last year maybe taught you most about yourself? I mean, we've all had that time to kind of look inwardly. What what have you found uh, about yourself? Oh, my gosh. Slow down. I think I was shocked when I learned how chill you have to be to actually learn how to play the guitar. <laughs> and I went, oh, <laughs> okay. Well, you really got to be hanging out. So I really appreciate the time, the quiet, away from the hustle, because my whole business shut down, so we had no choice but to slow down, and I think I'm going to be doing a lot more of that. I really appreciated it. It was a it was a horrible thing that happened that anybody has had to die, but the uh, things I've learned, I really appreciate. And Marguerite, having young ones as well, I mean, how much different is this summer been for you with the kiddos as opposed to last year as well? Thank goodness for camp. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I am losing my mind. It's like when you go to half work, when you have to pay attention to play with the kids, nobody's getting the right attention and everyone's not So I really feel thankful for uh, the, the, the support of the community. <laughs> That's right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he gets bored. You know, they get bored with us too, right? Like, they want to go see friends and have their own autonomy. They're, they're just a little nicer at, at a younger age than, than my teenager is. So, uh, yeah, we got that. You got that going for you, at least. I will take that all day today and remind myself of that. <laughs> That's right. Now, again, the new movie, Monuments, available on VOD and digital coming up tomorrow. And, Marguerite, I always want to make sure and let our listeners know not only where they can find more info about the movie, but everything you've got going social media-wise as well. Yeah, you can come visit me on Instagram at MarguerteMoreau.com, or no, not .com, just at Marguerite Moreau. Uh, <laughs> and see the movie, uh, let me know what you think, and see all the fun stuff I've been doing throughout my whole 30-year career, and uh, what's coming out next. So thank you for the inspiration, and good luck in the month day today. There you go. Well, Marguerite, it has been great to have the chance to visit with you. Looking forward to checking out Monuments tomorrow, and hopefully we can catch up again real soon. Thanks. Now, you've probably driven through an area that's so dense with fast food joints that there are multiple locations of the same place within a few miles. A new study looked at the regions of the country that have the most fast food establishments per capita, and generally speaking, the South and Middle America have the most, while New England and the West have the least. The state with the most is Alabama. They have 6.3 fast food places per 10,000 residents. Nebraska has the second most, followed by West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. Now, the state with the fewest is Vermont, with just 1.9 per 10,000 people. New Jersey had the second fewest, 
followed by New York, Mississippi, and Connecticut. Subway is the most common, followed by McDonald's and then Burger King. And according to Gallup, 80% of Americans eat fast food at least once a month. We're going to have a couple of guests talking about this movie coming out this Friday. It's called Notorious Nick. We've got uh, Cody Christian with us. And first off, Cody, I appreciate you taking some time to be on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Cody, folks know you from Pretty Little Liars, Teen Wolf, and all that. But uh, getting geared up for Notorious Nick, I mean, what did your workout regimen have to look like uh, taking on the role of Nick Newell, if you will? Uh, I was definitely ramped up. The intensity was there. Uh, definitely started incorporating uh, the training style and elements of, you know, just fighters in general. Um, started going through different styles of fighting. Um, you know, with Nick, he fights southpaw, so I had to switch up my stance, uh, learn how to feel comfortable with that. And, and you know, on top of it as well, um, you know, physical aspect. Uh, for those that don't know, Nick Newell is a fighter uh, born with a congenital amputation, so he's missing uh, his left arm, essentially, as up until the left elbow and nothing after that. Um, so incorporating that into the training as well was very important just to start wrapping my head around and understanding uh, the physical aspect of the storytelling in order to make it truthful and uh, as authentic as possible. And, and I know that you've had an interest in sports and, and being athletic as well. Did MMA, was that ever something that was on your radar as well uh, of, of interest? It's crazy, yeah. I've been an MMA fan. Uh, I've trained in it in the past. Uh, trained heavily in jiu-jitsu, fell in love with it. Uh, so I was definitely well-versed. And it's funny, uh, being a fighter, I don't know, I think it might be a common thread, but it was something that I definitely was interested in, wanted to kind of pursue it. Um, you know, uh, at a very very early age, knew that I wasn't willing to make that commitment. Um, but yeah, to be able to dip my toe into this world, uh, to get in the headspace of a, of a fighter, um, and kind of learn the ins and outs. Uh, it was just really one of a kind experience. Now, what was the biggest challenge taking on the role of Nick? I mean, I'm sure he, uh, did, did you have some time with Nick also to kind of pick his brain and learn a little bit more about him on the inside as well? So I'd never got the opportunity to meet with him in person. Um, I relied heavily on one of our producers named Mark S. Allen, uh, spent a lot of time with Nick, his family, uh, at his gym in his hometown, um, probably for about two years in the pre-production phase while this, you know, film was, um, you know, in the process of, of being made essentially. Um, so I relied very heavily on, uh, his information, um, anything, any questions that I had about Nick, his life, his journey, his thoughts, I kind of relied very heavily on our producer that was there and lucky enough to kind of soak up all this information. Now, Cody, what was the hardest part of the role for you to, to take on? What was the trickiest part of the role, if you will? Um, I mean, there were a couple elements. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me and, and the most important, right, was being as truthful as I could right. uh, to Nick's story. Um, you know, one of my main priorities was making a film that he was going to be proud to watch and to share with his family and, and his friends. Um, so that was priority number one for me. Uh, also, you know, the, the disability is, is a huge thing and, and having the opportunity to portray, um, you know, a character with a disability, I kind of understood the weight and the magnitude of that and, and the community that will be watching it. Um, so I really, again, just kind of put 
all my effort, focus, energy into, you know, making it get as real as possible. You know, there's a lot of people that I think could benefit from watching this film uh, with disabilities without, you know, it's an inspiring story to begin with. Um, you know, so that was really important for me, just thinking about the audience and how they were going to consume this film and, and the message. And Cody, as you take on a role, how long does it take after the shooting is done for you to actually step out of the skin of that character? Or did, did you like carrying the role of, of Nick as you went out in public? Was that a kind of a cool thing for you as well? <laughs> so what I, what I used to do actually is um, while I was filming and leading up to the film, um, I pretty much removed uh, my left arm uh, with everything that I was doing. I'd wear long sleeves and I'd wear big baggy hoodies and I'd tuck my arm into the hoodie, tie a knot, and I'd pretty much just go throughout my day, um, you know, and, and learn how to overcome the simplest things, uh, you know, with, with one arm. And that's, I think, an interesting concept that I had to learn was that, you know, for someone like Nick who was born with the disability, um, you know, he has nothing to compare it to. So the way we perceive it as, you know, is it's, it's a challenge and it's difficult for do to, for him to do the things that, you know, are considered normal for us or maybe mm -hmm. something that we take for granted. Um, but to him, it's, it's no different. It's the norm. He's not, you know, he's just doing something different uh, than how we do it, but he's more than capable of doing everything that we can do. Uh, so that was something that I kind of, you know, learned uh, throughout the process is it's more, it's, it's more about us putting limitations, our perception of what those that are disabled can and cannot do. Um, and we have, a, I think, a bad tendency and a bad habit to put these limitations on those that are considered disabled, um, not fully understanding that they're more than capable of doing anything and everything that we are. You talk about the cast that you work with. I mean, working with Barry, Kevin, and uh, and Elizabeth in the cast as well. I mean, how much did you learn working with, alongside of the cast members? And how cool is it to work alongside with those guys as well? I mean, I got a plethora of knowledge and experience. You know, when these guys <laughs> step on set, they're veterans. You know, they've, they've been doing this. Um, uh, they've been doing this for longer than I've been alive. Um so just to be able to work alongside that to, you know, go head to head, toe to toe uh, with these veterans, it really just, one, it inspired me, and two, I think it brought the best um, performance because, you know, they bring it. So you kind of have no choice but to step up and to, uh, you know, match them and play off their performance. So, you know, such an incredible experience, and quite honestly, I'm honored to have been able to share the screen with them. And again, the new movie coming out, it is available in select theaters on demand and digital this Friday. It is Notorious Nick. And Cody, I want to make sure and let our listeners know if they have any questions about the film or anything you've got going social media wise as well, where's the best place to find it? Uh, best place where I kind of put all the information, everything that I'm doing, uh, Instagram, just my full name, Cody Christian. Uh, if anyone wants to follow me, tap in. I'll kind of be posting updates about the film, about the new season of All American, pretty much anything and everything that I'm getting into. So, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're interested and you want to follow, just my name on Instagram, Cody Christian. All right. Well, Cody, it has been great to have the time to visit with you today. I appreciate you carving some time out of your schedule. Looking forward to the new movie, and hopefully we can catch up again real soon, brother. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate all the kind words. Uh, very excited for everyone, including yourself, if you haven't to see the picture. 
And uh, yeah, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to next time. So it's a new month. And for a lot of you kids, it's back to school time. Well, here are other things that we can look forward to in the month of August. So many new TV shows to watch this month. Reservation Dog starts August 9th on Hulu. Marvel's new animated series What If is available August 11th on Disney+. The season 8 premiere of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is August 12th on NBC. The 10th season of American Horror Story drops August 25th on FX. And the premiere of Archer Season 12 is August 25th on FXX or the next day on Hulu. Lots of movies to look forward to as The Suicide Squad debuts August 6th on HBO Max. Val Kilmer's documentary, Val, also comes out August 6th, but on Amazon Prime. Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds, opens nationwide August 13th. Jennifer Hudson plays Aretha Franklin in Respect, also opening August 13th. And Jordan Peele's Candyman premieres August 27th. As for sports, NFL football doesn't start till September, but I bet your fantasy football draft is this month. The Olympics wrap up the 8th in Tokyo, and the Yankees play with White Sox in the Field of Dreams game, which takes place August 12th in Dyersville, Iowa. And finally, the holidays. A few you might want to mark on your calendar, as today is National Ice Cream Sandwich Day, National Grab Some Nuts Day is tomorrow, International Beer Day is August 6th, National Women's Day August 8th, National Bowling Day August 14th, National Fajita Day is August 18th, and August 28th is National Red Wine Day. You might remember her from the big screen and the small screen. I mean, Clueless, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, a couple of small things that she was in. Got a new memoir we're going to be talking about with Elisa Donovan. First off, Elisa, I appreciate you taking some time to be on the show. Thank you for having me, Cameron. I'm happy to be here. Now, Elisa, the memoir, Wake Me When You Leave. When did this first become a project for you? Initially, I did this as a one-woman show. Um, at the Geffen Theater in Los Angeles. So it was kind of a shortened version of the book. And then I, I really began writing it when all of these things happened in close succession. My dad was diagnosed with cancer. My television show was canceled. And my relationship ended with the person I thought I was going to marry. And then my dad passed away. So basically, my entire life was flipped upside down. And um, that's when about a year later I started writing writing the play and then it developed into the book and and here we are <laughs> and Lisa whenever, <laughs> whenever you get up on stage I mean you get the instant feedback from the live show when you're sitting down writing thoughts down on paper does it make it more nerve-wracking because you're not getting that instant reaction oh for sure I mean it's such a different uh process and you know throughout the whole revision process for the book Sometimes I would look back at things I had written initially and think, I, I still love that. This is great. And sometimes I would look back and think, oh, that's, we're just going to need some work right there. <laughs> so, you know, what? that's what a great editor is, is for. And I had a phenomenal editor who was so really attuned to the book and the message and the language that I was speaking. And she was really, really helpful in giving me that feedback of saying this is this part's wonderful beautiful don't change it 
and this part, oh, let's we need a little more here, a little less there. So it's kind of a different form of feedback and it's not immediate. Now, how is the difference in feedback between, say, director and editor? I mean, which one is, is easier to take the feedback from? <laughs> That's interesting. Well, I think as, mm, it, it, as actors, it's vital that we don't take things personally when, when a director is, is giving us direction. <laughs> but it's hard sometimes. But with the book, I felt equal, initially I felt equally as uh, kind of um, protective of it. But I really knew that my editor in particular was that she really believed in the book. And, and her first notes were I agreed with. And I felt like she was had the same vision that I did for it. So it was, it was helpful to me, I will say. But I think that's also when you have the, the, the luxury of a little bit of time passing, if, if I had written this book right after everything happened, I think I'd be a little more precious with it and it might be a little tougher to take feedback, <laughs> Right. but really it's vital. It's important. It's really vital to have outside ears and eyes. And the writing process, what was the hardest part of it? Did you find any cures for writer's block in the process? Oh, that is such a tricky one. It's, it's like you can't give it too much weight when you're feeling like you're blocked, but at the same time, you gotta, you got to move through it. <laughs> so it's this kind of little dance of not psyching yourself out. Really, what I ultimately found is that just some people feel that they just have to sit in front of the computer or their paper, however they do it, and just spend a certain amount of time. That was sometimes helpful, you know, regardless of what you get down on the page. But that was somewhat helpful to me at times. But really, it was more that I had to, I had to be 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 clear about what the story was that I was mm. trying to tell. And so, it, for me, it was more about being willing to be honest about what I had gone through, even if it wasn't pretty even if it was icky and that's really the thing. So kind of taking away those, the sensors, because I often felt like in, in the case of this book that it was, if I felt blocked, it was because I just didn't really want to quite tell the truth. <laughs> like maybe I would like it to be a little bit rosier than it was, you know, but then the, the real, what people connect to. And I think what, 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 what moves people is when we are truthful in those moments. Because those are the things that we feel like we're never going to get through. You know, I remember feeling like this is so difficult and so dark that if I acknowledge it too much, I'll just simply never recover. And the irony is that I, I learned that you actually have to go through the dark bits in order to heal and recover and come to the other side. So I feel that it's a really hopeful book. And, and I, it, it's optimistic. And so I hope that people can use it as that kind of a tool. And also humor. Humor is such a huge part of, uh, for mm-hmm. me and my family of, of just being able to acknowledge that, you know, any kind of challenge and grief and death, these things are, are difficult and ugly and complex, but they're also funny. I mean, some very funny, weird things happen and it's kind of, you just get the full spectrum of, 
of life, you know. That is right. And again, the book, Wake Me When You Leave. Elisa, what's it like whenever you started getting feedback from friends, colleagues, and others as well with the feedback from the book? What was that like for you personally? Oh, oh my gosh. It has been, um, I, I don't even know if I can articulate how wonderful it has felt. Because at a certain point, you forget, oh, people are going to read this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because the process of of getting the deal and what's the publisher and revisions and doing the editor and all these other, you know, then post that the administrative things. And, um, so to now have people giving me their feedback, it's, it's so fulfilling and it's so rewarding. And I just, it feels amazing because I, I, you know, my, my biggest goal in, in writing this was that I wanted to, to help people and give people a sense of support and, and, and hope. And that is absolutely what people have told me, strangers and friends and colleagues. And it's been wonderful. I, every day someone will tell me, I couldn't put your book down. I read the whole thing in a day. Just this morning, I got a text from a friend who said, oh my gosh, I couldn't put it down. This is so beautiful. And I just think... Yay! It makes me feel so good, <laughs> and especially, of course, that someone I don't know—that's you know particularly fulfilling to me because they don't they don't have any vested interest in in making me feel good, you know. <laughs> so uh, it's it's really nice. That's right. Again, the memoir "Wake Me When You Leave" is available now. And Alisa, I want to make sure and let our listeners know not only where they can find it if they have any questions about the book, but also anything you've got going social media wise as well. Yes. So my Instagram is at Red Donovan with the little blue verified check, and Twitter is the same at Red Donovan, and Facebook is Elisa Donovan, also with the little blue check. And the book is available anywhere you buy books. You can get it at your local bookstore, at Amazon, at Barnes and Noble. Goodreads has a good, you know, bunch of links of where you can get it. And also on my website is, which is elisa-donovan.com. All right. Well, Elisa, it has been great to visit with you. Like I mentioned before we came on the air, getting me some cool points. I'll take them any way I can. I hope you have a great rest <laughs> of your week and, uh, and we can catch up again real soon, my friend. Yes, thank you so much, Cameron. This was really fun. Movies always make baths seem so relaxing. But unless you've got a huge tub or you're five foot nothing, I mean, are baths really that great? A new survey found Americans now find showers more relaxing than baths. 41% said they prefer showers. 32% said baths, 7% said neither are relaxing, and 20% weren't sure or said that they were equally good. And women were much more likely than men to say that baths are relaxing. Our final guest on the show today, a Norwegian country artist, and I can't say that this is our first Norwegian artist either, so I'm excited to have another Norwegian country artist with us today, Arthur Stulian. and first off, Arthur, it's great to meet you, brother. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. Now, tell us, Norway country music, where's where's the tie? I always wondered about that. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think... Um, a lot of people maybe may think that country music is 
an American thing, but but I think it's it's worldwide. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a language spoken all over the world. Uh, the, the sound of country music, uh, and uh, for for me personally, it's it's been. I, I I was raised on country music. My 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 dad was a big fan of Alan Jackson. I've said this in some other interviews that when we were working on the farm, it was we had this old Alan Jackson cassette we were listening to. And, um, after a while we switched it out for a CD and that, that was a big thing. <laughs> uh, and, uh, my, my guitar tutor, uh, which actually now is about 20 years ago, I started playing the guitar. He was huge, huge Johnny, Jack, Johnny Cash fan. And so a lot of the first songs I learned on my guitar was Johnny Cash songs. Uh, especially I, I played Falls in Prison and, and uh, Walk Line when I was six or seven years old. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have quite the low voice as Johnny Cash, obviously, but, but, but I, 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 did, I, I managed to, to at least play them on, on my guitar because I wasn't, I wasn't singing so much when I was growing up. It, that came later, but yeah, country music has been a huge part of my upbringing and, and, and it's a huge part of my life right now, obviously. Um, and yeah, as I said, it's it's a it's a worldwide language, and country music is for everyone, right? Where did music? When did you know that you really had something? What was the moment that you knew you had to chase the dream? Uh, I don't know if I'm if I'm still there yet. I'm, I mean, <laughs> because I'm I'm still <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm still working. You know, I have a job, and then music is kind of my my other job. Um. But, but uh, I've known from I was 16 or 17 years that this was what I wanted to do. And this was what I wanted to, yeah, as you said, chase, uh, you know, kind of uh, the, the dream. I have a song called This Dream I'm Chasing, which is basically about that. Um, and, um, uh, but I've always, I, I, even though I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, I'm optimistic and I'm, and I'm hopeful, uh, for my future as a country artist, I'm still a realist, and I know that it's a extremely tough business and an, an extremely tough in, industry. Um, but um, yeah, I'm I'm still hope I won't lose hope. I will I will fight to to the end of the day just to <laughs> make this happen. And and uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully I'll get to. I, I'm I'm going on a UK tour next year. I'm probably going to Nashville already this November. Uh, and, uh, hopefully there's a lot of things happening that may boost that dream. Now, Norwegian Idol, how did that come about for you? And how did that solidify your dream in your heart, if you will? Well, the, the first I've, I've been on, uh, Norwegian Idol too, a couple of times. Uh, the first time was back in 2016 when I was 20 old, uh, I turned 22 that year, but I was 21. Um, and at that time, I don't think a lot of people knew that I was, I was out playing I was, or that I was playing the guitar. I was singing, uh, because I, I, I had had one job, I think one gig in mm -hmm. third, 2013, which was the only gig I had. And, and after 2016, it kind of exploded because I don't think a lot of people knew that I was doing this. Uh, and yeah, yeah, they, they were surprised that, oh, you're singing uh <laughs> what's happening <laughs> uh and uh that year i i i reached uh top 50 or top 60 i think uh and 
yeah, of course, when when you when you go, I, I was of course very happy with uh, going so far. At the time, of course, you're you're devastated because you're eliminated from from mm-hmm. from the contest. But but you know, in retrospect, looking back at back at it, it's it, I'm very happy with the, with the performance I, performances I gave there and. And uh, yeah, it's definitely solidified my dream of chasing a career in music. And the second time was in was last year in 2020, even though we recorded it in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, I, I said after 2016 that I've tried it now. Uh, I won't I won't go back there. I, now I wanna I wanna make my career myself. I don't want right. I wanna I wanna do it on my own and. And then a uh, former employee, uh, employee of mine, started working there in the producer company that yeah make the show, and he was like, "Why don't you come on the show? I, we'll have a fun, we'll have some fun, uh, we'll play a little music." And and I was no no, I've been there, <laughs> I've done that. Uh, and he had, he started asking me in I think it was May or June, and he called back in July and August, and I said no. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally in September, right before this was actually the day before I was going moose hunting. So I was like, who is calling me right now? I don't have time for this. <laughs> and uh, then it was like the, the head of, of the producer company oh, wow. uh, called me and like, uh, John said that you were, um, you've been on the show before and that you're a country artist. We want some country artists playing here. Um, and said, what if we, because this was, uh, we recorded in Oslo and I live in South of Norway. So it's about six hours, uh, six hour drive. And then this, he said that if we drive down there and, and kind of make a, a, a portrait of you, as, as they call it, when you, then they mm-hmm. go home to yeah, film, record people before the audition. And then I knew that I was going to get exposure. Uh, I knew that it would be, it would probably make, make the cut on, on TV uh and then i was like all right let's do this um and i, I reached top for 30 or 40 that year last year so it, it is it is a as i said about 2016 it's devastating when you when you're eliminated but it, it's it is a good experience to have and and it, it solidifies uh the, the you know the thing i said about the industry it is an extremely tough industry so um but yeah, nice experiences. Now tell us the new single, She'll Be Gone. Where did where did this one come for you? Is is this a, a personal right? Uh, tell, tell us the backstory of this one. Yeah, uh, all, all my songs are personal. I, I write everything, or up till now at least, uh, everything I've released is written by myself or with others. And um, She'll Be Gone was, was written when we were, when I was, uh, right after we were right after, right before we were releasing the band album, um, I was on and my co-writer, uh, which is also my cousin, Simon, he, he he was almost got mad <laughs> because he said, <laughs> why, why couldn't you have written this six months ago? <laughs> because he, he said straight away after, after I had, um, I had, um, played him the, the first verse and, and the chorus that this is your best work. Um, 
and uh, and I I was struggling a little bit to write the second verse, and he came in and and did a great job there, and we did some some editing um, just to complete the song, and and um, yeah, it's it is it is a personal right. It is uh, uh, often when you have two writers, it's uh, you you can't say that it's it's a true story, but it, it is based on a true story because there are elements from him and there are elements from me uh for myself and and but but it is uh it is based on a true story yeah now i know you got your guitar there with you i love to see and hear people play i didn't know is that the the single is that what you were gonna play for us today yeah i would jamie told me to uh, to, to get ready to play something and that's why i was <laughs> uh yeah i can i can play if she'll be gone if you like um it is um uh, yeah, it, it is also one of my favorite songs from the album, uh, which is why we did two versions of it. Uh, the radio edit is obviously meant for radio uh, because of the time length. And the extended version is just uh, the, the kind of the way I wanted it just to be, you know, without any limitations. Um, just to get out some frustration on on after the, the the last chorus, it was just frustration, you know, making the guitar go <laughs> all the way solo. So um, here's uh, here's uh, she'll be gone. Tells you about her day. Take her for granted along the time you share. Between what she does and what she miss, you'll wind up somewhere about here. And she'll be gone. She'll be long gone. You'll be standing. Standing Instead thinking about how to get her back Thinking what you wouldn't give for one last chance While you're wishing you weren't on your own She'd already be long, long gone Before she leaves Get chances you don't deserve Throw them away and then regret you ever did Keep on making excuses for everything Keep on pushing the line Making it worse, it'll leave you with this Yeah, she'll be gone She'll be long gone What you wouldn't give for one last chance While you're wishing you weren't on your own Yeah, she'll already be long, long gone 
Yeah, you're gonna be devastated thinking about how to get her back Thinking what you wouldn't give for one last chance While you're wishing you were it on your own You shall be That's good stuff, brother. Thank you. Couldn't hear your and couldn't hear that Norwegian accent at all in that. I, I can't. I'm, I'm amazed by that. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of people say that, uh, and and I usually usually answer by saying that I've cheated a little bit because my mom <laughs> she she is from um, she was born in New Jersey. So we've her godfather is obviously American and. And we've had some of her friends and family over here in Norway, and I've kind of been forced <laughs> to, to speak English, <laughs> to, you know, just to make conversations. So, uh, and here in Norway, uh, not just at my uh, education program, but at a lot of educational programs, we, all the, um, yeah, all of the education is in English. Uh, so we're all of a lot of our, our presentations are have to be in English because the the um, uh, what's it called not teacher um, uh, yeah the the teacher <laughs> that <laughs> is uh, maybe American or English or from Bangladesh or or somewhere around the world where you kind of have to uh, make conversation or communicate in in English. So, um, but uh, yeah, uh, I've also also said that a lot of uh, the words when I when I at least when I sing them uh, is I've learned that from listening to likes of Alan Jackson and Johnny Cash. Even though I, I don't have the uh, the sound the H sound after W says when those kind of sounds, but. But I, like I'm a huge fan of Blake Shelton, so there was a time where I was almost impressing, like impersonating him because in the way he mm -hmm. was singing. So I learned a lot of English just listening to country music. This last year, I know uh, it, it's affected the whole world. COVID, the pandemic has, and for you musically, what has been the thing that you've really focused on extra this past year, if you will? Um. Well, uh, in the beginning of 2020, uh, I started planning this album, and the album was supposed to be released um, the fall of 2020. But obviously, that couldn't happen because of the pandemic. We had a lot of, of um, uh, we had to postpone the production of the album. So, so. Uh, in a way, I'm I'm kind of thankful for that, that we did that because I don't think uh, the result would have been as good as it as it got, and I don't think I would have been as happy with it as I am with the album we actually released. 
Um, so, uh, and, and a lot of credit should go to my producer, Beat Aldahal as well, because he did a phenomenal job on that album. Um, but, you know, um, this last year you had to focus a lot of, I think, many artists have, have kind of uh, been, uh, what's it called? Um, it's, it's been more social media activity from a lot of artists because you're, you're either at home <laughs> or the, the nights you were supposed to play out, you can't. Right. <laughs> so you're, you're home and maybe you're, you know, recording a video to post the next day, or maybe you're, you're doing a live stream, um, with, with, uh, you know, uh, where people actually can pay to, mm-hmm. to see you play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but to be honest, I, I or not to be honest, but I, I know that it's 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 a lot better feeling to play for real people. Uh, I had a job this Saturday um, in not too far away from my hometown, and you know it was two hundred people just going crazy, and it was <laughs> uh, it was such a good feeling just to play. <laughs> it was a, I had a full band with me. It was yeah, it was just awesome, man. It was. Uh, I've had I've had one job before that with a full band and 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 that too it was just it was amazing to to get out again get out again and and play for play for people live and and um, yeah it, it was great. So uh, with the single out there and uh, the new music, folks giving you feedback as well. How have the goals changed for the rest of this year and then uh, moving into twenty twenty two as well? Here in here in Norway, uh, it is uh, it's it sounds cruel, almost cruel to say, but but we're not very good at taking care of our own artists. Uh, so the thing is, for a Norwegian artist to to be become bigger in Norway, you have to become bigger in outside of Norway. <laughs> so um, yeah, as I told you earlier, we're we're going on tour in in the UK uh next june um and uh, for me i've never been to nashville and uh, possibly i'm 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 traveling over this november uh, i'm hoping i'm hoping to at least uh by by october i'll be full vaccinated so so everything's clear there hopefully there's you know uh the the virus don't, doesn't uh kind of Go back, <laughs> go yeah. back again, and <laughs> and um, uh, my my goals now is to get to Nashville, is to kind of build a a, a bigger a bigger brand for myself, you know, Arthur Stulian to build a bigger brand of of, of that character uh, outside of Norway, and then hopefully get bigger in Norway, hopefully uh, get to do this for a living which obviously every obviously every artist wants to do when when you're releasing music and when you're having gigs you want to this is what you want to do full time and um yeah that is that is my goal (laughs) there you go well arthur if folks want to find more info about uh, about the album about uh, upcoming music social media all that where's the best place for for the listeners to go Facebook and Instagram would be a good place to start. Um, I am on probably every 
social media. I am on TikTok and Twitter. I, I noticed that you followed me on Twitter <laughs> earlier did. today. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not that active on, on Twitter, uh, but but I, I am uh, almost posting daily on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and I have on I have a website uh, arthurstulian.com. Uh, where you can buy buy the album in CD if you're still one of those who wants the traditional uh, album on on CDs uh, and I have t-shirts and, and yeah some merch if you if you want some you can find me everywhere <laughs> hopefully soon you'll find me in Nashville as well there you go well Arthur man it has been great to have the chance to visit with you today brother uh, it, there's lots of miles between us but look forward to one day seeing you face to face. Yeah, I hope so. Maybe I, maybe I have to take a trip to Oklahoma as well. Uh, <laughs> we can go meet Blake together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, by the way. Hey, thanks again for joining us for this 118th episode in Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. If you ever have a comment, question, anything else you'd like to know, you can hit me up on the contact page, at gqwithcam.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at gqwithcam. If you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast, visit our merch store where we've got hoodies, shirts, tumblers, mugs, stickers, and more, gqwithcam.com forward slash shop. You can also give a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash GQ with Cam. And if you do have a special guest idea, email me gqwithcam at gmail.com. Well, thanks again to our good friend Brandon Allen coming up with our theme music. We're going to let him play us out and hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday.